Welcome back, everyone, to Merge Conflict, your weekly developer podcast talking about all things in the world of technology. I am your host, James Montemagno, and with me, my other co-host, Mr. Frank Kruger. Welcome back, buddy. How's it going? Hello, James. Thank you. It's been a long time. I had to take a little bit of a break from the show. I hate to do it. It happens every year, every two years. I don't know. It happens happens from time to time. Thankfully, you found an amazing guest host to fill in and out outdo me because y'all talked about a topic I wouldn't be very good at talking about. So, you know, Trixie, Trixie little game you you played there, Mr. Montagno. <laughs> Can you believe that I got Heather on the pod? I mean, po- Heather had her own pod, but I actually yeah. got her to do a pod. We were we were debating and like she was dreading being not necessarily being on the pod or having to talk to me for like an hour on the pod. But I think that, (laughs) you know, as managers, we don't get to code as much as we'd like to. But, you know, you know, I don't know. What did you think of the the discussions that we had in general? Oh, it was a fun discussion um, because I guess I still live in a world where um, I've, I've never really been a manager. I've been a tech lead. I've mm. directed teams under me and, you know, but from a technical level, like assigning work and yelling at people when they didn't get the work done. But I never had to like worry about people's careers or their emotional state or mm. really them as a human being. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, <laughs> I never really had to be a proper manager, as they say, a people manager. Um, so I actually, uh, I, I really tuned in to the discussion. I wanted to hear what managers had to say about managing and, uh, True. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I knew I was in for a good episode. I think Heather said like right in the beginning, she's like, all right, let's talk management. What do you got? <laughs> I was yeah. Like, cool. She's in. Ready. <laughs> in. She's ready. She's great. So I really appreciate Heather coming on. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, Heather, my partner, my wife, uh, joined us, uh, longtime C-Sharp.net developer, so she knows our audience very well, but then also like she became a manager right before me, uh, which was cool because I'm learning a lot from her. We get to talk a lot about stuff, and then kind of sharing a little bit about that was fun as well. So I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And yes, welcome back. And we're getting close to the end of the year, which is kind of crazy because we have this week and the next week's uh, Christmas here, and then this January after that. So like, boom, boom, we're like holiday episodes. We're like dropping on Christmas, dropping on New Year's, like welcome, boom. So kind of wild. We'll be here with you the entire <laughs> step. I hope everyone has some time off on it. But the world of development does not stop for holidays because Frank, I want to break down two and or possibly three or possibly five different, maybe 10 different pieces of technology <laughs> Uh, that is exciting. And I've had a lot of questions about because I have been recently diving into the world of WebAssembly deeper and you've been there for a while, but Frank, there's new hotness in the world of WebAssembly. So I want to break down today a deeper dive on the video I just put out on my YouTube about WASI, the WebAssembly system interface and how it relates to WebAssembly, obviously it's in the name, but then also what are the use cases? How is it different than containers and why people should care about this technology at all in general, right? So let's first break down 
WebAssembly. If there was a big, if I was <laughs> editing this video on the YouTube later, they'd be like, WebAssembly, be a cool graphic. So imagine that in your hand, WebAssembly <laughs> or WASM as they call it, Frank, WASM. WASM. Yeah. Web assemb Yeah. Why is it called WASM? It's I, like, I, yeah, it's not a perfect acronym. It's just, it's <laughs> no. just WebAssembly. Yes. Yeah. Just do you deal with it, James? <laughs> yeah. So do you want to break down what and how and what WebAssembly is? And people may know of WebAssembly from the .NET mm -hmm. world, mostly because of Blazor, but it's not just a .NET thing. That's an open standard and .NET and Blazor are just part of that journey, That's if you will. Also, you know, the little library called We, I, I believe, was first to market as a public release that supported WebAssembly very well. And we. indeed. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Um, yeah. So WebAssembly, WebAssembly, uh, isn't it wonderful? It's a runtime it, in the same way .NET is a runtime. It is a way to execute code within the browser that is surprise, not JavaScript. Yay. Everyone doesn't have to use JavaScript. And I say that honestly, both sarcastically and not sarcastically because uh, JavaScript is wonderful and everything, but um, sometimes you want to use other languages and it's not the easiest thing to compile other languages into. So we were given, the web gods gave us WebAssembly. Aww. And <laughs> thank you, web gods. I don't, I think they're in Helsinki. I don't know where they are. Um, <laughs> uh it, it is a runtime and it is also a programming language. It's an assembly language. You can debate whether it's in the name. a programming language or not. It's in the name. Wasm. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really elegant, honestly. Um, they, they describe the virtual machine and the instructions. So assembly is usually an instruction, a source of data, and a destination for the data, much like a function would take in parameter as its input and output a result or taken in out parameter, whatever. Um, so they're like little functions, but they're baked in. So you can take a programming language like C and compile C to WebAssembly because it acts just like another machine. It's just another machine. Um, just like a x86 machine or an ARM machine or a PIC micro machine, any of those kinds of machines. And who doesn't love that? There's pros and cons to that approach. But the nice yeah. thing is compiler developers feel right at home. And you can get the most biggest important compilers like GCC. <laughs> and I think eventually like um, um, LLVM, Clang, and all those friends to output this as just another instruction set to those native languages. And finally, here comes the .NET C Sharp people. And of course, we we want in on that game. So of course, you can compile C sharp all the way down to WebAssembly. The mono people made it happen because they're like angels to the god of WebAssembly. I don't know. <laughs> the analogy falls apart. <laughs> yes. So problem before WebAssembly, there wasn't a way that you could just elegantly run your C sharp .NET code in the browser directly, right? If you think about ASP.NET Core, you have servers, you're clicking on a button, you're going back and forth have to write a lot of JavaScript. You don't want to write JavaScript. However, you do want to be able to interop with JavaScript. So the thing with WebAssembly is that you can run the WebAssembly side-by-side -side JavaScript. Like we do this literally all the time in Blazor, right? That's literally yeah. how you <clears throat> can invoke into JavaScript. It's in the default templates. 
And like, I think you said is a good example is that you can think of them as like little WebAssembly modules that kind of like get loaded into the, the JavaScript app. Like there's a wasm.js file that's like doing stuff. Right. And the runtime is basically, uh, in this host of a browser. Right. So I think that's the thing to kind of remember here is like the browsers needed to implement WebAssembly support. Right. Just like today, if you wanted .NET to run on iOS or Android or Windows or Mac or Linux, the .NET runtime needs to run on those things. So like somebody has to do work to make it run there. Well, the cool part about WebAssembly is that since it's a standard, a bunch of browsers like browsers on my phone, WebKit, for example, boom, it can it can host it. Right. And Chrome can do it. Edge can do it, you know, any any and anywhere. So now wherever you can, any supported browser can run WebAssembly, your C-sharp code can, can run there, which is like really elegant and really fantastical. And if you want to write JavaScript too, you can, but you don't have to necessarily, but you could. Yeah. And it's really, um, it, it's a nice model because being a virtual machine, we all understand how to compile down to it and make our code run on it. The biggest downside is that it doesn't, it's it's kind of an isolated virtual machine. Mm. It does not have direct access to the DOM. So you can't just mess around with HTML and links and things like that. It has a very primitive memory model. Um, you've got to write a tiny bit of JavaScript in order to provide it memory. Uh, there's another big limitation that I totally wanted to mention is completely slipping my mind now. But... Um, well, I'll, I'll just say it's like there's no operating system there. So there's no yeah. way that it's not like a Unix environment. You can't just open a socket to connect to a website or something. Uh, the best you can do is bridge yourself up to kind of the JavaScript or in our case, the Blazor C Sharp world, and then let other browser features do all the heavy lifting of establishing sockets, what drawing to the screen, playing yeah. audio. Oh, the normal multimedia things that you want to do in an app touch events you know you you gotta you gotta write that bridging layer yourself or use an awesome library like we are blazer <laughs> to do all that exactly yeah and a lot of the you know blazer libraries right that are out there will do that bridging back and forth and you write about the dom that's where things can get scary if you have stuff in javascript that's modifying the dom or wanting to modify the dom versus like you're trying to modify the dom like who's controlling the DOM and the shatter DOM and all this other <laughs> stuff. Right? So it gets a little bit tricky and there are, so it's not perfect solution, but it does solve a use case and has been growing in popularity because like you said earlier, it's not just C sharp and .NET. It's all sorts of different programming languages that are out there. You got the rests of the world, you got the goes, mm -hmm. you got the, the other things that are out there. There's a, <laughs> all the programming languages want to be part of it. And to me, that's, that's pretty cool, especially if you were in a, you know, big company and you had a lot of different teams working on different things, using different programming languages or collaborating with different people, you could just jam some stuff together. Now you got a whole big world of WebAssembly goodness. Cause it's, again, it's like you said, you're, you're compiling the thing into WebAssembly and executing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you can use web workers so you can get real multi-process stuff happening too. Uh, I like to try to run neural networks in the browser. And we take full advantage of web workers and WebAssembly to accomplish that. The WebAssembly, because high-performance numerical libraries tend to be written in C, so you have to compile them into a form that can run on the web. And then 
Uh, I believe it's still a single threaded model, but you know, WebAssembly is it, it's a moving target. It's it's well implemented, well supported, mm-hmm. but it's also growing. So um, it's gaining features all the time. As far as I know, it's still a single threaded model. And so the the trick for that is you spin up, you know, 10 or 20 web workers, each executing a web assembly. And all of a sudden you have a, a 20 process machine, concurrent machine, communicating through the DOM of all god awful things to use for that. Um, and that's your synchronization mechanism. And surprisingly, you can build incredibly powerful things with that setup. Yeah. And you can build entire, you know, web applications that run a hundred percent offline, no server in between. And that's Mm -hmm. what, you know, some folks need use cases for now, Frank, the problem Mm -hmm. with this is that you need a browser. What if you wanted to execute your web assembly outside the browser? Just no, don't, don't, because it's too hard, James. As someone who has implemented several virtual machines and programming languages, it's too much gosh darn work. Don't do it. Um, I guess, you know, if someone actually asked me, okay, I, I wrote an app in this, but I want to turn it into like a native app or something, we give them the normal advice. You write a native app, you put a web view in it, and you shove all your code into that web view, and bingo, bango, there's your app. Um, which is a honestly a very valid way to write apps. Don't let my tone of voice lead you off. <laughs> Go yeah. ahead and do it that way if that brings you happiness. Uh, but are you saying there is an alternative, perhaps, method? Yeah, I think of this away from the UI world. And I got a lot of questions of this on my video, which is like, well, oh yeah, what do you mean? Like, what, is there like some UI stack or blah, blah, blah? I'm like, no, don't think of it like that. Think mm-hmm. about of it as logic and functions and web work and, and, you know, not web workers, but workers and HTTP servers, things that don't require a a UI necessarily. Now they could, they could be invoking Mm -hmm. some things X, Y, Z in there, but imagine you want some workers that are interacting with something and you just want to execute these things or, or functions that happen. Now you might say, well, okay, well, James, when I just write that in C sharp and .net, and then I would just like run that where C sharp and .net run Mm -hmm. sure absolutely um you could do that in fact you could also you know put that into a container right if you want it to be modular right yeah and then you say okay now i container i got a host os i got the runtime i got the container d i got all this stuff inside of it so you can do that you know so there's these different aspects that are in there but if you think about a wasm you know, piece of, of code that you have, like a, a function or a HTTP server or a, a, a worker or something like that. If you think of that as a module, right? Like I want to take that module of code and I want to be able to execute it and run it you know, anywhere, right? Now, this might be places where um, .NET doesn't run today, right? It might be some crazy embedded system. It might be some specific Linux system. It might be, who knows what it might be, Right. Or it might even be somewhere the .NET is running, but you don't want any bits of the .NET runtime or any of the you know compilation there. You don't want to create a container. You want the overhead of it. What if you just had the WASM code module, like executable okay. basically, and you could run it on a WASM runtime that basically ran everywhere? That means 
If you can compile your code, whether it's Rust or Go or C Sharp or .NET into WASM, then you don't need to worry about runtimes and different containers and different images and different formats. As long as you have anything that can have a host for WASM or a WASM runner, then you could execute it. And that's one problem with, with it, right? The other problem is basically having system access, right? WASM today, WebAssembly doesn't have system access it's in a browser, right? So what if you want to access <laughs> the file system across all these devices and all this, you know, this, the network and all these other things, you need some interface that could be implemented by the runner that could handle this stuff. And that is where WASI comes in. It's the WebAssembly system interface that for all intents and purposes is a set of different system interfaces and APIs and methods that need to be adhered to, to have the system level accesses um, for what, what WebAssembly code to execute. So that means if you have functions and methods and HTTP servers and all this stuff, you can compile it into a WebAssembly module and then execute it anywhere at all, right? Any Anywhere in there. So it's kind of similar to like container D in a way, if you're comparing that to Docker and all this stuff, like it is kind of maybe like that. That's maybe how I would put it there, right? So hmm. what's really neat about that is that us as .NET developers, right? We can kind of have this model and then compile the code and we can compile it in now many, many ways, right? We can just bundle the runtime into like an, uh, something with, an, you know, with a UI or whatever, or bundle um, a full publish, right? And, and get the .NET runtime that we need. We could put it into a container and do blah, blah, blah. Or we can compile it into WebAssembly and then mm -hmm. run that in one of the runners, which supports .NET, for example, which would be, or well, I guess any of them that, that's out there today. And there's a few of them. Um, but one of them that was in Rich's blog and the one I demoed was WASM time, for example. Oh, so lots you beat of words, me to it. Lots of things. So I, I, I really want to interrupt you so I could say WASM time. Um, okay, because... I'll edit it. So imagine there's no. a world that did all this stuff. <laughs> what could that be, Frank? James, perhaps the best named console app I have ever heard of, Wasm Time. It's Wasm Time. It's Wasm Time. You oh get it? Like, it's, it's time for Wasm. It's Wasm Time. Wah. You know, at first I was rolling my eyes a little. Um, it, it, the Let's start with the basics again. Uh, so mm -hmm. I compiled some code into a Wasm, a Blazor app. Uh, a cool mm -hmm. C ray tracer something into a dot wasm file. Uh, now I can just run it at the command line because I'm a command line junkie. I like that. Yeah. Um, I don't have to bring up a browser, remember the crazy JavaScript or anything to enter into it. It will just magically run because someone thought to use an interface file instead of um, whatever the browser thing. This is super cool. I'm super excited for this. Um, I don't know if I personally am going to have any d direct needs for it or anything, but I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to use this until I found out the command line app is again named Wasm Time. And so for sure, I will at least tonight be compiling something so that I can run some Wasm Time. Um, like you said, yeah, this is just the example front time for running at the command line. You could embed this thing in a million different things in a million different ways. Uh, very cool. So really what I would say is, uh, Wasm is growing up. It's, it's, it's broken. It's, 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 it's left home. It's, it's left the browser. 
And it's it's just here in the world, I guess. I want to talk about all the stuff you said about containers, but mostly just I, one last time. I just want to say wasm time. Wasm time. Yeah, I think the other part, too, is like, you know, wasm time has like a security or wasm has like a wasi, I should say, <laughs> web assembly system interface uh, is as a security model around it as well. So I think that is is pretty unique. You know, I obviously when my video show just kind of running it locally, running it on wasm time, whereas like I could give anyone in the world or I could go into any Linux distro, I could just have wasm time there. And then I could be executing that WASM module. And that could be a, a WASM module that's in Rust or C++ or Python or Go or .NET. And I could just run it, you know what I mean? Without having to install any of the bits or other things or anything like that. And I also, need to, I also don't need the .NET runtime to be there to execute it because WASM time is handling, executing the WASM code, which is quite brilliant in many instances of it. Uh, so again, as a .NET, like iOS and Android developer, I'm like, you know, oh, do I need to go like, what am I going to do with this? Well, it's not really maybe the use case for it, but I'm thinking like embedded systems and I'm thinking maybe in the future of how I do want to execute code on the server, for example, and put put code on the server. It might be a different way of 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 uh, of kind of bundling up my application uh, as an option. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, it, it would honestly be kind of nice if Unix apps were shipped as little WASM files because mm. then you would have a little bit more control over the runtime environment that they're executing in. As it is, like a lot of Unix scripts are in um, a scripting language. But it's kind of nice that these are compiled down. Um, eh, I wonder if that for, for that reason it won't be taken off in the open source world where everyone does like all their uh, not compiled things. You know, people aren't used to distributing .o files or object files or .a files. They usually just kind of ship around code. Yeah. Anyway, um, super cool. I, I am curious um, which parts of the operating system WASI uh, covers. I've been trying to click through the documents. You might have seen my eyes bouncing around. Yeah. But it's a little hard to get through it, uh, seeing which API exactly they provide. But I do want to create, uh, actually mention a clarification on something I already said earlier. I said I wasn't sure if Clang um, LLVM's C compiler was supported under WASM. But the WASI SDK, WASI hyphen SDK on GitHub uh, specifically uses Clang as the compiler for the mm. WASI SDK. And I just thought that was interesting because um, I think it was GCC that had WASM support first. Um, again, if you're using .NET, you don't have to worry about any of this. It's, made into, it's built into .NET. But uh, I do have a lot of C code that I like to compile as WebAssembly. So that's why it just caught my attention. Oh, I can use Clang now. And it does support some Unixy features. I'm sure it just generates a whole bunch of code uh, to talk to the WASI interface. But very cool to see this world really evolving. Yeah, it's neat. Yeah, basically what they're doing, and, and we'll put a link to Rich's blog post, but what they're doing is they have this .NET.WASM, which is, for all intents and purposes, the .NET runtime in WebAssembly <laughs> that's needed for the app. And then they can load your module and it can handle that. So that's going to enable you to execute your .NET code side by side and like handle all this stuff for you. So it's really, really neat. And he talks about a bunch of different scenarios and also the speed of them as well, which is 
pretty fast. You know, we're mm-hmm. talking in some cases, if you use WASM plus native AOT support, which is supported in this, which is crazy. I was about to ask you, I was going yeah. to uh, bring up that joke. James, is native AOT supported? Of course. It is, funnily enough. <laughs> uh, it can be faster than the core CLR alone, which is kind of crazy. The native AOT is still mm-hmm. like the fastest, which makes sense, right? There's still some layer mm-hmm. there, but it's actually like pretty crazy fast, which is kind of bananas. <laughs> but, you know, he talks through like, okay, like we could, you know, we could be doing um, converting different like markdown files into something else and like output outputting them to to disk or whatever. We could create a little HTTP server that is like processing some stuff and just like running on some server or whatever. You know what I mean? Like small little yeah. things that are out there. So it is really, really new. But again, it is, you know, for all intents and purposes, kind of cool that there's actually WASI experimental support in .NET 8. So it's a .NET eight workload and you say .NET oh, workload install wasi dot dashes experimental and you get it if you just have .NET eight stable release there. So they shipped it as a experimental oh. workload, which is cool. Well, this is news to me. I think we should. Uh, <laughs> that's super cool. Uh, so there is a new workload named wasi like hyphen experimental. Is that like part of the version number or is it just it's part of the name wasi dash? Yeah, dash yeah. experimental. Okay, super cool. Um, I will definitely try that out because I don't know. I, I totally dig this for like console apps and things like that. I don't know why. Yeah. Same same reason you like .NET because it all bundles together. You, you can do the same thing. You can get .NET to bundle into a .exe you know, that contains everything that you could possibly want. Um, it's kind of fun to have like a whole different bundling technology available to us. Yeah. Well, and that's what I think is, is pretty neat about it is you don't have to worry about where it's at or how it's running. Just like, here's my files, just like execute that stuff. Again, it's like, you know, I think that, um, while today there's, you know, the SDK has some, you know, different support for like where it's going to run and all the other stuff, it's going to give you you know, more support for those other things like threading and all this other stuff and just different scenarios. I think as a .NET developer, I'm thinking, well, I might not need any of this, but I might, you know, someone else in my company might need it or someone else might need a use case, right? Like have .NET part of that journey, I think is really exciting to see, right? Kind of moving forward and, and, uh, and being part of this, this kind of next generation of early things, you know, it's like, I don't know you know, crazy experimental new things on the internet, you know, just to kind of see .NET part of that is pretty cutting edge, you know, when you think about it. Yeah, especially when you started bringing up the container speak, I was like, oh, way to bring it, like, way to bring cutting edge to cutting edge, you know, we always have to mix our domains and everything. Um, But again, I think it's just kind of the beauty of .NET also that it it is... um, it's it's been a pretty fixed runtime for several years now, and that runtime's been able to be ported to other runtimes very easily. So it's just kind of it's nice that we're always able to take advantage of these new platforms and things like that. So just another little shout out to .NET for having a good design that's easy to port around when when these kind of new things pop out. I'm stay, still waiting for my um, .NET native AOT GPU converter. You know, just 
tell, tell your friends that stuff, you know, that there are other platforms out there. Web GPU is out too. This isn't the only way to run native code on the web. So yeah, I, I want some .NET love there, but yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's always fun to see .NET, um, not just keeping up with the technologies, but in a way like it defined this technology of, okay, Java 2, hi Java. Java and .NET define this technology of, um, a tight little executable that can be run on any platform. And the web has gone full circle from just being in the web browser and now onto machines. And it's nice to see that we're all just getting along and we're not drawing any like turf lines or anything crazy like that. Yeah, I agree. And I think that there's a lot of additional new innovation that we'll see. In fact, at Build this year, Mark Rosinovich did this presentation. This is linked to in uh, Rich's blog. It's very slightly mentioned, but basically there's this part of the presentation is called the Hyperlight. And Hyperlight is a new um, hypervisor. It's lightweight and secure, and it's basically mm. a WASM-enabled cloud, if you will, of hypervisors being able to run WASM and doing this stuff. So they demonstrate Blazor running in this new sort of lightweight hypervisor and spinning oh. up they're spinning up like I think he spins up thousands of of these hyperlight hypervisors in milliseconds, basically creates them and starts <laughs> them and runs them because they're so lightweight and doing this all in this sort of WASM enabled, you know, and they're all compartmentalized, right? They're super secure right. little things, which is very fascinating uh, in general. So, yeah, yeah to, and, to, and- to see that's cool. And and that's the part I cu- kind of jumped over because at first I said my eyes were ro- rolling back when you said containers. I'm like, oh, whatever. It's a it's a compart it's a packaged up little executable. But I guess we call those containers now, which is super cool because yeah. um, they are so lightweight that you can orchestrate them. You can kind of create more reliable systems. Um, it's kind of the Erlang lifestyle. Lots of small processes communicating with each other and. Maybe you do it through a HTTP server. Maybe you use something fancier. But um, as far as I can tell, like the WASI protocol just uh, implements good old sockets, good old Unix sockets, and uh, all the other protocols are built on top of those. So it's a pretty uh, developer-friendly world that we can live in there too for doing our communications between little containers. But it, yeah. it is fun to see the container world embracing web technology. There just aren't any borders anymore, James. We're all <laughs> container app web developers now. I, I don't know True. what anything is anymore. <laughs> exactly. It's a world I want to live in. Everything's everywhere all the time. Everything all at once everywhere. Um, it's great. Yeah. Cool. Anyways, that's, that's uh, mostly all I want to talk about. I want you know I did wait. a short little nine minute video, but that's all I have. What else do you have? Well, I have the most fun little factoid also to to just really heighten this discussion here. Uh, the the .wasm files, uh, those are binary files. You can't like drag them into a text editor. They look like garbage. Don't do it. But did you know there is, of course, a text version of WebAssembly files? Because, of course, oh. you can get an assembly dump from an assembly. Do you know what the file extension is for those files? Hmm, no, it isn't. Dot W A T Watt. It's, ah, it's just, good old Watt files. Yeah. It's just a lovely file extension. And I insist that everyone distribute their WASM files as Watt files because it's way cuter than dot WASM. 
brings me back to my I think Doom days, right? Everything was a Watt file, wasn't it? Uh, those were Wads. Wads. It's, it's, oh, you gotta nice. place your tongue slightly differently in your mouth to say the difference. With my lisp, you can't tell. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, it's cool. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there too. You know, I think it is evolving. Like they're technically Wazzy is like a preview one. That's what this is on. Like I think they're even saying for .dot nine, they'll just only be on preview two, right? So it's evolving right? over okay. time. Yeah. But there are other things out there already, like there's Wazi SQL, so you can kind of get like uh, SQL support and things like that on it. There's all sorts of other stuff like that's inside of it. So kind of cool. Yeah. As, as far as I could tell, it was just file system and socket. So communication and storage. Mm-hmm. I did not see threading. So I'm curious uh, if they will ever have a threading model or if they're just going to embrace the multi-process style of just spin up another process for every WASM. Yeah. Oh, I'm interested to see how it how it how it evolves over time. But I want to give a little bit more detail. I had a lot of questions about it. I'll link to it, all the mm-hmm. things and stuff like that. But if you want to see it in action, cool. check out my YouTube video. Only nine minutes. You can skip to the demo part. I have chapters on it. Just go there. <laughs> so uh, it's neat because well, the runtime, like the host OS and the runtime, like when you ex- export those out, right? The actual like when you're when you're CS proj, it's it's actually like Wasm Wazi or Wazi Wasm basically, okay. and it's yeah. like Wazi is like the the host OS and Wasm is like the what is it? Let me look at it again. Um, yeah, the OS description is Wazi, and then the OS architecture is Wasm basically. Yeah. So, yeah okay. It's kind of cool. Well, thanks, James, for introducing me and I. I imagine others to a hot new technology. We all yeah. love hot new technologies hot technology well let us know what you think you can write into the show go to mergeconflict.fm or if you're on youtube which is youtube.com forward slash at mergeconflict.fm uh you can leave a comment on this video where frank and i post videos and we do stuff so that's super cool (laughs) Um, but that's going to do it for this week we'll see you all for the last episode frank which is episode 390 which means just do lightning topics that'll be easy peasy for the holidays and then we're like 2024 (laughs) so hope everyone has a great holiday um if you like this podcast you know you can do stuff and that's it it's gonna do it for this week so until next time i'm james montemagno and i'm frank krueger thanks for watching and listening peace peace